This week we finished our Immerse Reading Program. And if you're new to Hills Church, basically what we've been doing is reading through the whole New Testament over the last eight weeks. And it's been fantastic. And so we've asked just a few people to share their stories. Hi, Hills Church. I hope you've been enjoying the Immerse journey as much as I have. I've often struggled with the first few chapters of Romans for some reason. Um, I'm not sure why, but I do think that at times Paul's writing can be a little bit difficult. But what I have found is through reading Immerse, through reading it in this um, this journey, it's helped me to get a bit of a better perspective of what it is that Paul is actually trying to say to us through these chapters. And one of the things that God has really challenged me on this is to think about just how I view my own salvation. Now, there are a lot of chapters, a lot of verses in these chapters that have brought me to this, um, but I don't have time to share those all with you now, so I'm just going to go to one. So just bear with me while I just read that one to you. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. It has been really good to be reminded just how precious my relationship with God is and that I should never take it for granted. When you think about Jesus, he always showed love, mercy and compassion to those that he encountered. That was the hallmark of his ministry. And in reading through these early chapters of Romans, I have been reminded that I have been shown exactly that same grace. It's been really, really good for me to be reminded just how deep, how wide and how precious God's love for me really is. Uh, this week, I've had the opportunity to go back and read the book of Hebrews. It remains one of my favourite books. I love it for its rich uh, theology on a person of Christ. And in particular, the writer, as he draws us into the concept that Jesus is our great high priest. And I like the way he brings it all together in chapter 4 when he says these words, Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This same high priest understands our weaknesses, for he, say, for he faced the same trials as we did, yet was our sin. Therefore, let us approach boldly the throne of grace, and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And I find these passages a great source of comfort, knowing that I have the right and the privilege at any time to enter into God's presence and uh, there bring my petitions, my concerns and my prayers, knowing that sitting beside the Father is Jesus Christ, our great intercessor, and he's acting on my behalf. And I draw a lot of comfort from these passages in time of need. Hey Bill's Church, so as you know we've been reading the Immersed Messiah Bible and before we even started I heard a quote which was I don't want to get to heaven and be surprised by its culture which really hit me hard because I knew I didn't know the culture of heaven so that allowed me to go into this looking for what the culture was really like um, and I learned so much which was really helpful but I think what really truly did help me was that it was just like reading anything 
it wasn't like three or four verses here or like a chapter here. It was just reading it like it was any other story, which made it just easy to digest, easy to highlight. Like I was whipping out my highlighter everywhere. Just anyway, but I really found it beneficial to me and I did learn so much and I hope you guys did too. Immerse. What have I loved about Immerse? Um, this is the New Testament. This is the revelation of Jesus as Messiah. And it's been pretty incredible to read it in such a short amount of time. I found that both challenging um, and comforting. So just want to share with you from James something that I've read today. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. I love this because he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Our God is solid as a rock. And in times that are, that are shifting and changing, our God remains faithful and dependable. Um, and that's such encouragement. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. This is his true word. This is a revelation of him. This is where God shows us his heart and we get to know his mind and his character and the whole story of redemption from beginning to end is, is revealed to us. And what a privilege. We have become his prized possession. That's huge encouragement for me. Well, thanks everybody for all those great stories. And I just want to encourage everybody. You know, if you haven't yet finished the reading program, if you haven't finished reading all the way through the New Testament, just keep going. There's plenty of time, but I encourage you to, to keep going. And, and if you have finished, also keep going. You know, go back to the beginning, find a new part of the Bible, but keep that daily routine that you've started with the Lord every day. Keep that going because uh, you'll find that it's beneficial to your walk with him, to your faith. You'll keep going deeper with him and you'll keep growing. And that's why we were doing it. But we're in the last message of our Immerse series today and the timing is perfect and I meant it to be that way because today we declare and we celebrate that Christ has risen. Jesus is alive and that just brings amazing joy to us. We, we are celebrating today. It's Easter Sunday. What on Friday seemed like defeat on the cross has turned now into victory and joy we celebrate today because our God came into our history as a man. He went through terrible suffering and shame and death for us. And then he rose again in victory to be our living saviour. The timing of Easter this year, it's good for us because the world is in a time of grief and suffering. And in some ways, what we're going through now, you know, it almost brings us to our knees. We're reminded of our brokenness, but most of all, we are reminded of our desperate need for God. He is the one who created us. He is the one who sustains us. We think we know more than him, but we don't. We think we can be above him, but we can't. We need God. So it's in this time we look for meaning and hope. We look for light in the darkness. And the Gospel of John, it shows us the source of this light. John 1 verses 4 to 5 says, The Word, which means Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Now, don't miss this. The light shines in the darkness 
and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is the good news of Jesus for the world that often finds itself in darkness. This is the message of light for the world. You know, in the Bible, we, we find and we read how the Israelites face homes of darkness over and over again. I'm reminded of the, the Israelites crying out to God when they were in bondage in, in Egypt. And they cried out in their grief and God saved them. I'm reminded how the, the armies, the huge armies that the Israelites faced as they made their way into the promised land seemed like they were indefeatable, yet God saved them. I'm reminded when the Israelites were conquered by the Babylonians and Jerusalem was destroyed and those left alive, they were forced out of their land, you know, the land that God had promised them, into captivity. Only for Ezekiel the prophet to prophesy that God would breathe new life into dry bones and bring them back again. And he did. And he saved them again, light shining into those very dark times. The Israelites knew God's ability to save them had no limits, no matter how dire the situation. Now here is a truth we learn from God's history when we, when we read through Scripture. The deeper the problem, the brighter the light that shines and the greater the glory of God's redemptive work. You know, for Ezekiel, deep human suffering collided with God's promises. Now we fast forward several hundred years from Ezekiel and, and this is what the disciples of Jesus faced too as they moved towards the cross during Holy Week. Things had already been very hard for them. The religious leaders were, they were blatantly trying to take Jesus down. They were trying to kill him. You know, there'd already been several attempts on his life and you know, undoubtedly, they, they were afraid. And when they huddled together in a room that night, the night before Jesus would go to the, the cross, these are the words that Jesus spoke to them. Listen to this. In John 16, 20 to 22, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples in this room. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice. And no one can rob you of that joy. I just love that the line that Jesus said. Your grief will turn to wonderful joy. And the source of their joy, the resurrection of Jesus. Not, nothing else. That was it. It wasn't anything that anyone did, that any governments did. It was the resurrection of their Lord. Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, our God, our King, our Lord, you know, our source of hope, of strength, of peace, of joy. You know, he is our all in all. That Jesus who they thought was taken from them would be alive. And here is the best bit for me. 
that living Jesus lives in me. He didn't stay in the grave. My Saviour lives, and that means I'm his and he is mine. And that is the source of my joy. The resurrection is our source of joy today because, number one, it proves that God loves us. This whole moment in history only happened because of God's love for us. It was his indescribable love that would bring him to send his son to die in our place. He would rather die than not be in relationship with you. And the resurrection fulfilled the defeat of sin and death for you. And now Jesus is our living God. He lives in me and he wants to live in you. Number two, there is always hope for the other side of, of suffering. There is always hope when we're, when we're in a time of grief. Even while the whole earth groans in pain at the moment, take a moment and listen to those words of Jesus. He was telling the disciples that, you know, he was literally saying it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And, you know, that might even be a message for us today. It, it could get worse before it gets better. But whatever happens for a follower of Jesus, it always gets better. And you might ask, but what if the worst case scenario happens to me? You can't say it always gets better. Well, Jesus says to his, to his disciples and to us that no matter what, he will always be with you. You know, even if we're talking about moving into eternity, you will see Jesus face to face. It will always get better. You have an eternal hope. And the joy that brings cannot be taken from you. It, it literally lives in here because he lives in here. That's why the joy can't be taken. We will see Jesus no matter what happens. And we shouldn't let our circumstances steal that joy. When our grief collides with God's promises, the promises win every time. Which leads me to my next point. Number three is this. It assures us that Christ will return again. And I love this one. What the resurrection tells us is that God always follows through with his promises. He promised the Messiah. He promised a Savior. The prophecies in the Old Testament, you know, many, many hundreds of years before Jesus was even here, told us how clearly Jesus would come of his life, of his death, and of his resurrection. They were all fulfilled. And it all happened just as it was foretold. And if you're skeptical about the Bible's account of Jesus, I just want you to know today you will find evidence of Jesus outside of the Bible. He was real. He is a historical fact. And his death is a historical fact. And that empty tomb is a historical fact. The resurrection happened. And therefore, we can have complete certainty that what God has promised will happen. We have complete confidence that Christ will come again. And therefore, you know, that's how we should live. Because of what happened in the past, it proved that God's promises are real. We know that what is still to come is real as well. And that's how we should live, with that confidence and with that level of expectation that Christ is returning. Hebrews 6 from verse 18 says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, 
We who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Because of the resurrection and the proof of God's promises, our hope is strong. You know, it's an anchor in these times of uncertainty and trouble. It's the thing that actually grounds us and holds us and stops us from tipping over and being blown away. When you feel like you're being swept away in a storm of trouble, you come back to the resurrection and you set your anchor down there. That's where you start, church. It's at Easter. You put your anchor in uh, the death and resurrection of Christ. This is the moment in history that holds you firm in your faith. If everything else around you is crashing, uh, crashing down, you put that anchor down that Christ died, but he rose again. No circumstance can change the resurrection and what Christ accomplished for you and promises for your future. Number four, the resurrection of Jesus is also our resurrection. Here's what Romans says, Romans chapter 6. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also will be raised to life as he was. You know, since Jesus went through the physical death and resurrection on our behalf as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, we now have the full benefits of the old hopeless life being put to death and a brand new resurrected life in Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus and become born again spiritually, as Jesus puts it, you too, you too raise out of the, up out of the grave. You know, we love singing that song, I ran out of the grave. And, and this is a, a truth for us. You too can have a new life and leave that old life behind. You've been resurrected. Your soul, which was dead, is now miraculously brought to life. Because of Jesus' death, you are spiritually healed and you are a walking miracle. Number five, we're free to live life as it was meant to be. Or maybe I should say, we're free to live life as God meant it to be. We're free from the bondage of sin. Hallelujah. We're free from an eternity apart from God. That eternity without God, the Bible calls it hell. Hell is a place... Basically, it's a place where God isn't. Anywhere where God isn't is hell. You're free from the power of sin over you. You're free to live as God created you to live. That is freedom. Not free to live out all of my worst and evil desires. That's slavery to sin. You're now free to live the best life that God always wanted for us. You know, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. This is the life in Christ. It's a, it's a life of freedom. And this is where I want to start to wrap things up today. And my invitation is to everyone who's watching to be free, to be saved, and to rise from an old life to a new life in Christ. God created us for the purpose of being in relationship with him. And we can't be in relationship with him unless we are without sin. And that's why Christ died and we received his righteousness so that we could do that. The only way you can be at peace with God is through giving your life over to Jesus and receiving the gift of salvation through the forgiveness of your sins. You know, it's an all-in proposition. 
I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. You can't do it half-hearted. But if God loves us so much, he would die for us. You know, it must be worth it. He went all in for us. And he asks the same. But the beauty is that he does, he's the one that paid the price for us. We now just have to respond and live for him. John eleven, twenty-five to 26. Here's what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Never die. A new life with Jesus is the answer to the meaning of life. He not only provides you with a new life in him, he provides you with peace and strength and power and rest and joy and hope and healing. He also provides you with a father in heaven, a new family of brothers and sisters that you belong to. You know, that's the church. We're, we're a big family here, but it's not a family with the doors shut. It's, the, it's a family with the doors open, inviting more and more people to come and join, even if you're unsure even if you haven't made any decisions about anything yet, you're just wanting to have someone that loves you. This is the church. And you are welcome here, by the way. This is a place you can belong. And Jesus also said, by the way, that he calls us friends. When we put our faith in him, he now calls us friends. That's what the scripture says. That's my testimony, and it's the testimony of billions of people over the last 2,000 years. Jesus takes a broken life and he makes it new. He turns graves into gardens. There is nothing better than Jesus.
today I want to invite you to have that new life. Jesus has been waiting for you your whole life to do that. He loves you and wants to pour grace and mercy and freedom into you. So in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want a new life in Jesus, the resurrected Christ, I invite you to pray that prayer after me. I find it best to close my eyes when I pray so that I can focus on talking directly to Jesus. So I invite you to do that now. Lord Jesus, I want to experience your mercy today. I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I admit I'm a sinner in need of you. And I'm inviting you to be my saviour right now. Please come into my life. Please, Lord, forgive all of my sin, anything I have ever done against you or anyone else. Forgive me, Lord. Please live in me as my leader, as my Lord from this day on. I turn to you and you alone. I believe you are a God who is rich in mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you just pray that prayer for the first time, then congratulations. You are now a child of God. You're forgiven. Everything that you have ever done that you are ashamed of or that was against God, guess what? It's gone. It's completely wiped out and your, your slate is wiped clean. And he's calling you now to live for him. It's all in 100%, but it's a full life, a life to the full. And if you've done that, please let me know today. You can contact me by going to our website and hitting that Got Questions button there and just leaving a note for me. Or if you know how to get in contact with me in any other way, you're welcome to do that. Remember, everyone, the resurrection leads us from grief to joy. Just like the disciples 2,000 years ago went from grief on Friday to joy on Sunday. 